Hello, and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I'm Priscilla McKinney, Little Bird Marketing host, and um, with me today is Ann Stevenson. I'm just going to give a, a caveat to this. We're also friends, besides being Very colleagues, good so this is going to yes. be fun. So well, feel free to uh, interject any jokes or anything else you want to do, but we're going to talk about kind of serious subject today. But if you do not know Ann Stevenson... She is uh, one of the co-founders of Explore Research. They do very, very interesting things um, in as it relates to Shopper Insights, but specifically in a lot of interesting virtual reality, uh, very immersive types of situations. Um, obviously, the behavioral aspect of what's going on in Shopper Insights is super important. And so she and the team have been helping companies figure out what is the smartest way forward with so much changing. Um, obviously, you know, shopper, <laughs> shopper insights um, used to be something that people would say, okay, well, what is someone looking at in a grocery store now? It is so, so, so much more. Um, and then today we're going to put on an a- added layer to that to say not only what's going on in the technology, what's going on in the mind of the consumer, but what's going on in this economy and where should we go from here? So, Anne, Thank you for coming. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Priscilla. Well, this is a very difficult time. I kind of don't envy your position, to be perfectly honest, because so much is changing with shoppers. Um, We know that it has been a difficult year for brands. There's been a lot of pivoting. There's been a lot of head scratching. Um, There's been a lot of um, experimentation, and some things have gone really well, and some things have not gone so well. But now we're emerging out of what we hope to be the the guts, maybe, of this pandemic. And brands are finding their way forward. And now we have this added layer, this next crisis of the supply chain. So I guess I'd like to hear from your perspective, from all the conversations you're having. Let's start with that. Like, what are you hearing? Um, What is going on with consumer confidence? And how does that affect what we think about in Shopper Insights going forward? 100% in terms of this crisis and what's going on with inflation, uh, it is massive in terms of the impact. It's the the largest inflationary increase in 40 years. We're we're seeing 8.5% in terms of the latest numbers from an inflation standpoint. So this has a very, very big impact in terms of shoppers and their behavior. And then you layer on that in terms of what's happened over the past two years in terms of the seismic shift that we've seen in retail. So if you look at it from a retailer standpoint, everyone knows the shift in terms of the shift to online buying behavior. So pre-pandemic, it was about 10% of Americans bought their groceries online. Now it's about 50%. So with this, what retailers have had to do is really sort of re- think their operations in terms of how do they then relook fulfillment? How do they actually rework their spaces? So kind of this massive footprint in terms of so many stores, it's now going to shift. So I think back to when I started my career 30 years ago, your average uh, square footage of a store was about 30,000 square feet in terms of a grocery store, which is like a, a regular um, you know, Wal- uh, Walgreens or uh, CVS. And, and now we're going to see these bigger stores moving back to, to smaller footprints, and they're really going to be trying to manage, uh, from a shopper standpoint, um, how do we create more experiences in terms of what we're going to actually do for that bricks and mortar trip. Mm-hmm. So kind of a big takeaway, I think, in terms of, from a manufacturer standpoint, is they really need to start understanding the shopper decision tree both for online as well as bricks and mortar. And that can be quite different in terms of what you may actually see. 
So it's important to look at those, and then from a retailer standpoint, they'll be much more trip focused. So I think we're going to have to really sort of understand the different shoppers, the different trips, and really begin to activate in terms of where are they going and how do we best meet their needs going okay. forward. Okay, let me unpack one little thing you said there, just yeah. like you went right by it, and it was like this idea of the different shoppers. So tell me about what you've seen happen with, with customer segmentation, because you mentioned that there was a smaller group of people who bought online before the pandemic, and now it's huge, but we also know it's not only larger, but it's very multifaceted. So what are you seeing right now? I mean, it's not just young people um, you know, who are shopping online, and those kind of old, old saws don't work anymore. They don't. So it's really important. We have, and we look at it more from a mindset standpoint in terms of what is that shopper mindset and really understanding that different mindset and how you can then activate. So we have very different tactics based on whatever different mindset that you're seeing from a, from a shopper standpoint. And to your point, it isn't just, oh, it's one particular demographic that's online or in-store or one demographic that is more price conscious. So one of the things we advise brands to do is to really look at what is the loyalty in terms of your consumer base? What is the frequency in terms of how frequent your, your product is actually shopped? And really understanding those loyal consumers, those consumers that are switching, because that is now the shopper superpower, is the ability to switch. And that's really facilitated through an abundance of information. And information really at your fingertips in right. terms of being able to price compare and really make those choices. Well, you use the word experience. So I want to hone in on that just a minute because people are really choosing their own adventure, right, if you will, um, in the shopping experience. And so we're going to talk in a minute here just about like uh, some of these inflationary change. But before we jump into that, what when you say experience and that people are kind of carving out how they want to shop and they're making their own decisions, what like give me a little bit of some examples of that. Well, you know, it's really, it's different for everyone in terms of what's important to you and then how you want to shop. But generally we would see as a trend more um, staples, more everyday items, people may be getting more online because it's more of a fulfillment type thing. So then understanding how that mindset may have shifted is really important for if you're a player within one of those categories. And then things that are more experiential, people may go into store and really want to be able to, if it's food, they may be really want to be able to look at um, some of the fresher products that they might be buying and really get some ideas and inspiration through the in-store type experience. Same thing with fashion in terms of um, maybe more some of the staples I might buy online in terms of, okay, I need just some t-shirts and some wardrobe basics. But then when I really want some inspiration, maybe that's when I'll go in store. So right. I think what we'll see from a retail standpoint, and we've been seeing it for a long time, is just this focus on uh, great experiences in terms of the, the bricks and mortar environment. Okay, you said this idea, which actually I hadn't really thought of, but once you say it, it resonates with me as a consumer myself, is this idea of, I have made a shift. This is fulfillment. This is actually shopping. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, that just was like, a, that just I just figured that all out, people. So <laughs> you heard it live. <laughs> but Exactly, and it's so much more efficient when you think about it. You have like your list of kind of your staples, and then you fulfill those, and then you can really you know, for those, um, if you want inspiration around, you know, some different ways to make different meals or you want to, all of us are now going back into a work environment and I wanted inspiration around, okay, what are some, you know, spring clothes and ideas? You know, that's where I went out to actually shop and, and get some different ideas, more the tactile aspect too. Right. 
how do I get out of these yoga pants, which also, P.S., I only call wine pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they are one and the same, right? Okay, yeah. I, well, I've never been known to do yoga in them, so I think we can safely call mine wine pants. So, um, so that is really interesting. So people are doing, we, they're valuing their time very differently. They are. Also, this is a little bit of crawling out of a pandemic, and uh-huh. hello, time is so precious, right? So this is happening this is, you know, the, the, you're looking at behaviors because people are saying, I want to I spend my time more wisely. So all those basics I'm going to handle where it's just like a no-brainer. I can set this on subscription, whatever it is, or just easy fulfillment. But now I want an experience. Okay. So we're all in agreement that we understand that is something that is happening with the consumer. But now <laughs> let's get into this nitty-gritty of what we wanted to talk about today, the layering on of this inflationary problem. So this is making an impact on shopper behavior. Tell me what you're hearing, what you're seeing, what does this look like? Everyone is affected by the inflationary changes that we're seeing. And you know they were brought on by so many different forces coming together in terms of an abundance of um, consumer uh, spending and demand, uh, supply chain shortages, labor shortages, the war, all of these factors came together. So. I mentioned before, we really are experiencing record inflation. And this has a very um, big impact in terms of a lot of households and their ability to really sort of make ends meet. So that can be, you know, uh, game changing for a certain segment of the populations. And, but then from a manufacturer and a brand standpoint, they are seeing these rising prices. And I came from a marketing standpoint, worked at Kraft for years, and we sort of had two plays in our playbook. So when you hit inflation and cost increases, you would either price up or downsize. But the challenge with that, and it's fundamentally different than it was even 10 years ago where we saw you know, inflation, not to the degree we do today, but that was kind of the last inflationary period, is now this shopper superpower, which I talked about, which is the ability to really compare. So substitution is a very real and important factor to understand from a brand standpoint. Um, I was in... Kroger the other day and looked at the coffee category. So I love to kind of, when I'm in store, just look around. And You're just curious. Yeah, Dan. just curious. Just like, yeah. So I wrote People down. People see you coming in their local shopping market. Oh, here comes Anne. Yeah, yeah. Watch out. She's going to be, you know, watching us. Touching everything. Yeah. Watch this. So if you think about just one category, there was 306 individual products. Oh my God. 33 brands eight formats, 12 sizes, 18 price points. And that's for coffee. (laughs) So the amount of choice, and we've done this to ourselves in terms of how many SKUs and segments and brands we've created, there's just this massive amount of choice. So it's, I think the substitution factor is so important to understand that consumers have this ability to quickly compare and there's so many alternatives out there and really understanding what is that loyalty level for your brand and what is that propensity to substitute is absolutely critical during inflationary times. And it may not be as easy as we're just going to take a price increase. You really need to understand what is that price gap? Where does that become a trade-off where your consumer will then switch to another brand? Right. Um, so whenever we do this type of work with shoppers, we really like to simulate a bricks and mortar as well as an online environment, do multiple scenarios and really understand the interplay in terms of what's going to happen uh, if you do increase your price. Okay, because I think one thing you would know about behavioral science is that the uh, shopper is going to report one thing, but probably is going to do quite another. And in fact, uh-huh. we're all discovering for ourselves right in the moment what it is that we are going to, we'll say that this is my intention of going into the, 
you know, shopping, you know, uh, experience and be like, I'm just in it to get this or this, but something changes. And so really looking at the behavior of, of what changes there. But I want to head back just one minute. Another thing that you said, <laughs> you just kind of drop a few of these bombs along the way. And I just want to come back to it. In fact, um, our good friend, Rebecca Brooks um, from Alter Agents just wrote a book about um, really the shopper promiscuity, really, if you will. And this idea that it, where is brand loyalty going? Is, I'm sorry, are we, is brand loyalty a thing anymore even? And, and just some of these deep concerns that, you know, major brands have. So tell me a little bit about this, you know, this ability for the shopper to just immediately substitute something. Um, you work a lot in creating, like you mentioned, these more immersive experiences. So tell me what the shopper is, like what, what are you hearing like when you get to do these qualitative looks at it? Are they just figuring it out for themselves that they're switching brands, that they think they're loyal, but they're not loyal? Like what, what are you hearing around that brand loyalty? Yeah, and I think it's, it's particularly timely right now. So with inflation, that brand loyalty is really being tested in terms of, well, you know what, where's the breaking point for me in terms of where I am going to make that trade-off? So about 70% of shoppers would say that they will switch in terms of a lower price alternative. But there's also a huge amount of shoppers who, if they're given an incentive, they will revert to their favorite brand. So it's not that loyalty is out the window, it's just really managing that balance. So I think the thing for brands is to really look at what can I do beyond price. So managing, making sure that you're not pricing to the point where um, you're going to lose that existing consumer, but also looking at things you can maybe do to help them out in terms of uh, the budget constraints they may have, how they can make things stretch further, really providing that added value beyond just taking price. Um, another thing we've worked with some clients on is understanding what are the things potentially that you take for granted with your pack or different things that you're doing from a brand standpoint that maybe the consumer doesn't even value. So there's an opportunity to remove these. It could be a, a you know, you could eliminate some cost and then you don't have to necessarily pass along the price to your consumer. And Sometimes it can be a win-win where you maybe take out a cost, but it's actually more sustainable. Mm -hmm. So you can look at a few different ways of we, maybe we shouldn't always be passing along this price increase to our to our shopper and our consumer. Mm -hmm. Give me a couple of examples of that. Like what kinds of things do you see brands wanting to take out or exchange or um, in that way, obviously they're listening more right. <laughs> in tune in with the customer. But yeah, what, what are some examples? Well, so it could be something, um, and we'll do like attribute work in terms of really understanding what really are your ownable attributes. So it could be something they've taken for granted in terms of this is a really expensive cap on the, on the product and we think it's really important. But then when we really understand what are the drivers of value, maybe it's the shape of the actual package or something different, and that could be a very expensive component that, you know what, you could do something maybe with a bit more of a earthy feel, it's, it's, a, it's maybe recyclable now, and you can have a win in terms of you're reducing your cost, but you're also able to talk about a sustainability benefit and you're, you're actually doing something that's better um, for your brand and your, and your shopper actually appreciates that. Mm -hmm. So part of that is also understanding what are the things in terms of the values of your consumer, what do they appreciate, what can you really highlight about your product going forward? So kind of moving the discussion beyond just price. Right, right. And I, I think it's about like opening up a, a, a much broader conversation too for people as individuals. So for example, I may want to be and, and shop very sustainably, right? Right. But if I'm trying to make ends meet and I'm pay, living paycheck to paycheck and wanting to make sure I try and give my kids the healthiest thing I possibly can, 
you know, I can say all I want that I want to shop sustainably, but that's going to go out the door the moment I think, no, I can get something healthier or I can get more of it for my kids at this critical time. So it's like this, you know, listening to the consumer right now, it has to be so many different voices. So how are you helping brands single in on what's really happening right now? Because we cannot be looking at a rear view mirror of a brand tracker anymore. I mean, that's just, that's not working for brands. No. So I would say from a research standpoint, a lot of past research is, is less relevant. So we need to really be doing sort of more quick sort of pulses, understanding what's happening. And then I think once you really have a sense of your different consumer segments, the loyalty across those segments, then you almost need to be surgical in your promotion. So understand with what group do I need to offer more of a price incentive? With what group can I then have a different communication? So it really comes down to understanding that uh, consumer base and then marketing to them and marketing to the online consumer, understanding that decision tree, what's important to them versus different tactics in store. Okay. So we need to get pretty precise in terms of how we're managing different consumer groups. Yeah, that's really precise. <laughs> like yes. I'm a little overwhelmed. <laughs> okay, so we talked a little bit about this idea of you know inflation driving more value or price sensitivity. What are you seeing in terms of private label? How is it? Like to me, I think about you know these name brands are in stores. They're paying you know uh, just millions of dollars getting you know the right everything. It's not just market research. I mean, they've got you know marketers. You know, they've got to create commercials. They've got so many other expenses. They've got all their employees. They're they're really on the brand. Like if the brand is going away what are some diversifications or what are we seeing in terms of like the rise of private label or were you not seeing that? So really great question. So it was quite interesting. During the pandemic, we actually saw private label shares decline. And this has all changed with increasing inflation. So Target saw a 46% increase in their private brand sales. Kroger saw a 15% increase. So private brand is actually on the rise. So what it offers to consumers is consistent everyday quality uh, without waiting for promotional periods where they can get good quality at typically a better price. And one of the things that I think is really important for um, American companies to think about is private brand development in other parts of the world. So if we look at the EU, it's on average about 40% of category share would be private brand. Uh, The most developed country would be Spain, which is around 50%. Uh, In the US, it's around 15% across most categories. So there's a lot of room for private brand to grow. Another important thing right now in terms of some of the supply chain challenges and everything else that's going on is uh, typically private brands are supplied by different manufacturers and they are actually locked into supply agreements. So if I'm having a shortage, I actually need to fulfill my retailer private label uh, order first. So when there are shortages, typically there will be private brand on shelf and maybe some of the branded products can't actually oh my get gosh. on shelf. I so, did not even see that that light of thinking coming, but that is the reality of, of the kind of manufacturing set, setup that we have. Exactly. So um, just it's important to understand that there's a lot of room potentially and uh, private brands that are done well, typically they have a multi-tiered strategy. So there will be a premium, a super value segment, something else, maybe health in terms of another tier. So they have a multi-tiered strategy that can appeal to different shoppers. And then based on that price gap versus private brand and where consumers may be making that trade-off, it's very important to to understand 
that dynamic and not think that, oh, it's not going to grow. Because if you look at other markets, there's a lot of room potentially mm -hmm. for, for private brand to grow in different categories. Okay, so let's think about this from a big, kind of like a historical perspective, okay? We started by talking about how really the consumer right now is, is very driven toward experience. That, that, that I think we all in market research, <laughs> right. like, we all agree with that. Um, so much so that so many people are running around trying to figure out how do I get a CX program <laughs> you know, in place. So experience is one thing. And then we have you know, a horrific pandemic where people really consider, wait, no, I value my time. I want to live my life the way I want to live it. So you have this sense of personal value and you have this sense of, I do want to also treat myself. Like this idea of like some things are regular, but I also want to have some variance in my day for those people sitting in, you know, yoga pants for years. Right. <laughs> like um, when do I scrimp and when do I splurge, right? Um, so I'd like to hear your perspective on that because we know historically that when we have hit on hard times, I think about the Great Depression, some of the things that have been, you know, much bigger economic forces, there have been interesting winners and losers in categories. Sometimes people will completely scrimp on certain things and then we found, like even for example, in the 20s and 30s, people then overspending in, like, say, entertainment categories. Right. And it was this idea of like trying to live a life. It was depressing, and it was, you know, that's why they called it the Great Depression. <laughs> but um, you know, they really wanted to say, look, I I might want to go ahead and get you know my underwear you know on subscription from Amazon, but when I want to go buy a fantastic outfit, I want to be treated a certain way and I want to really splurge then, right? So tell me about this dichotomy of now consumer choice where we may be looking for a lot of value in one area, but we're really looking for, I wouldn't say overpriced, but we're definitely focused not on the price in another piece of our world. 100%. So we see that across many different categories. A great example that I read about the other day was if you think about prepared foods, Typically you think, well, high food inflation, that would be a category that would not do well because why wouldn't I just cook from home from scratch versus yeah. actually getting a prepared meal. All of those missing um, bags of beans when the first pandemic first hit, is anybody cooking these? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, but we're actually seeing like huge increases in prepared foods. So I think, but what we are seeing is restaurant spending is not at pre-pandemic levels. So I think people make certain trade-offs. So. I'm sick of completely cooking from scratch. I don't really want to, or I can't afford to spend a, a restaurant rate to you know, have a steak or have a nicer meal where I'm not doing as much work. So I'll just buy that and then um, that's sort of my, my treat or indulgence. So it's really interesting where we're seeing things that are a little bit surprising, but they make sense once you kind of peel back and understand maybe where they are sort of making a trade-off, but actually splurging in another area as well. Oh, so interesting, and it's just going to continue to evolve, but certainly as a thank you for taking your time on um, our podcast, I want to hear a little bit more about these immersive experiences. So what, let, let's say a brand comes to explore research and it's like, look, we don't know what's going on. We're so lost. <laughs> you know, maybe they're stuck. Maybe they're lost. Maybe they also just want to experiment. But what what what's the kind of the first step forward in really getting a uh, some kind of a finger on the pulse of what is going on with the current consumer and what what action they could take? A hundred percent. So in terms of different immersive environments, I think that's probably one of the things that makes us a little bit unique as a company is we have probably the broadest range. So. When a brand comes to us, we really want to understand what is a challenge, and it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. So it's not like we have one 
platform that we say, oh, this is what you should test on. We really try to have the most appropriate way of creating that immersive environment. And as I talked about the amount of choice and how substitution is so important, that's what we try to really recreate so we can capture that behavior um, as, as accurately as possible in terms of what are these choices and trade-offs. A behavioral science concept is very much about choice architecture. So especially now with prices moving around, it really actually very much affects those choices. You have price anchoring, um, changing, and all these dynamics. So we do that either through 3D virtual reality, which we can do online. We can also do it life-size, which is headset-based. We have shopper labs where we conduct this type of staging and work. We can do 2D online simulations where we don't need kind of a full aisle perspective. Um, and we also do a lot of work in store as well. So we have a lot of re leading retailers that are clients and we'll do work in their test centers. We'll do work actually um, on premise in their stores as well. Mm, I love that. Uh, I want to touch on the e-commerce piece just briefly because I know it is just a whole nother ball game really. Yeah. But if there are maybe one or two things that you kind of would highlight about what retailers are looking at about their e-commerce game, what, what, are the, what are the conversations sounding like? Yeah, and e-com is really interesting as well. So we do simulated websites as well with eye tracking typically, where we can look at different um, scenarios, do A-B testing. So we have live websites where we can actually really test that, that behavior. And I think a lot of retailers are looking at how do they actually optimize uh, their e-com piece in terms of how do you communicate um, different brands, how do you drive basket, what do you do to sort of um, you know, actually capture more of that impulsivity, which is for certain categories, um, it's a little bit more challenging online versus, versus in a bricks and mortar environment. Right, right. So w when you talk about like that with the e-commerce, can you think of, or not even just e-commerce, let's open it up to all of them. Let's kind of end on this. Like there's, I think there's going to be big winners and big losers out of this. There's just major changes in the market. Inflation's just putting another layer on it. But who do you think is like really winning? Like do you see some interesting things that companies are doing and what have been some things that you've looked at because you're curious and you go and start <laughs> like that. That was a good idea and this is the right way forward. What are some of your thoughts on that? Well, I think the companies that are winning right now during the inflationary time, they are not blindly walking into these decisions around price. Um, really interesting uh, scenario that happened in the Canadian marketplace. A major uh, manufacturer wanted to implement a price increase and the biggest retailer in that country said, nope, and they were out of the store. And this standoff went on for about five or six weeks. And uh, they're a, a very, very large company. So I think it's just you really need to, um, you can't go blindly into it. You really need to understand. And I think you really need to make these decisions quite cautiously mm -hmm. in terms of how you're going to kind of move up price and what you're going to do within the marketplace. Yeah. It does bring to mind, this is so crazy, and I'm going to give them more press. Here's more free press. But, you know, Arizona Ice Tea has gotten all of this press lately and shopper stuff about, 99 cents, it's still 99 cents. Look at this can, it's yeah. still 99 cents. You know? And he's like, the owner's like, I know, we're going to keep it. 99 cents is the way it is. And it's made kind of a big PR deal out of it, which hats off to him. Good job for, you know, free press. Right. And here I am giving him more free press, you know. But it is interesting to see companies come out, whether you would think that's leading with values or just being very smart about inflationary times. How long are we going to see this? And, you know, when should we respond and how should we respond as a company? 100%. And that's where I think having empathy around the real challenges that people are experiencing. And I know, Priscilla, you say this too in terms of your business. It's about always be helping. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really important perspective to have as we look at really the challenges that our 
consumers are experiencing right now. How can we do things differently? How can we always be helping um, to sort of help them with the very real challenges they have? I love it. Thanks for joining me here at IIEX. This is my favorite show of the year. I like don't uh, hide that from anybody. I absolutely love the amount of innovation, the amount of collaboration that's going on here. And I love to hear what uh, Explore Research is doing in this environment. It's crazy. It's a new frontier, really. And I, I think you're being very brave. <laughs> well, thank you, Priscilla. From all of the peeps at Little Bird Marketing, thanks for listening and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.